I'm Janet, the little sister. And I'm Jeff, her big brother. Welcome to Sibling Rivalry, a podcast about our favorite sport, baseball. This week on Sibling Rivalry Baseball, we ask the question, will our spin rate go up if we use spider tack on the podcast? Wow, this stuff really, oh no, my hands are stuck to the keyboard. Headlines, SRBB, go. Jim Mudcat Grant, the first African-American to win 20 games in American League history, has died. He was 85. Grant pitched 14 seasons in the major leagues with seven different teams from 1958 to 1971. He spent his first seven seasons with the Cleveland Indians, but it was with the Minnesota Twins where he made his biggest impact in the game. He joined the Twins in 1964. He became an All-Star in 1965 and had a 20-win game season, helping the Twins win their first AL pennant. He pitched three games in the World Series against the Dodgers, winning two of them, including the complete game in Game 6. Grant co-wrote The Black Aces, a book about his 20-game winning season and celebrating baseball's early Black 20-game winners. Finalists for the inaugural Kareem Abdul-Jabbar Social Justice Champion Award have been announced. The committee of seven, including Kareem, have selected Tobias Harris of the 76ers. From the Bucks, Drew Holiday. Kings forward, Harrison Barnes. From the Warriors, Juan Toscano Anderson and Carmelo Anthony of the Trailblazers. The award recognizes a current player for pursuing social justice. The winner will be announced prior to game four of the Eastern Conference Finals on TNT. The Oklahoma Sooners women's softball team captured their fifth women's college world series with a 5-1 win over Florida State. The Sooners are the first number one seed to win the national title since 2015. They are also the fourth team to win after losing game one in the championship series. The football that seven-time Super Bowl champion Tom Brady threw for career touchdown number one sold at auction for over $428,000. The bidding started at $75,000 and drew 33 total bids. No word on who the buyer or the seller are. Leland's, the auction house, recently sold an autographed Brady 2000 playoff rookie ticket card for a record $3.1 million. You can find these and past week's headlines on our website, siblingrivalrybb.com. Remember to rate and subscribe wherever you listen and tell a friend to listen to the Sibling Rivalry Baseball Podcast. We love our listeners. We want you to download and listen to the podcast and share it with others. We just ask you to acknowledge Sibling Rivalry Baseball Podcast as the source of the material. Please do not, except with our express written permission, distribute or commercially misuse the content. Lots to get to today on the Sibling Rivalry Baseball Podcast. Things like Max is the new name in Southern California. I want you to remember this guy's name, Teoscar Hernandez. Before we get uh, to the big topic du jour 
and take a look at how things are going on the road to Omaha, I need to talk about what bad baseball podcast host we really are. And that would be back on June 4th was the inaugural celebration of Lou Gehrig Day. And we have at no time talked about Lou Gehrig Day. We don't have to go into detail, but I find that the only thing that's lamer than us forgetting to mention the Iron Horse and having a day is the cruddy little patch that they put on the uniform that was hardly noticeable in honor of Lou Gehrig. I, I, what is that? It seemed like that was the same thing that was um, with, with Roberto Clemente, except that with Roberto Clemente, Puerto Rican players could wear number 21 in honor but everybody else just had a cruddy little not noticeable patch. Yeah, it, it was sad. They didn't execute it well for the inaugural Lou Gehrig Day. So hopefully next oh. year it will be done better. But yeah, the patch was a grayish color. So it wasn't, you know, and if you were wearing on the road your grays, nobody would have seen it. And I don't know what type of, I know a lot of uh, stadiums did some pregame things, but not all stadiums. They may have, may have just done a real quick and that was it. But Shouldn't you overdo the first one? Yes, it should be fireworks and the whole Especially shebang. Especially because you have people in the stands. It, it wouldn't, it's not like it started last year. And there was nobody there and you could kind of do it. They did more for stuff and nobody was even there last year yeah. than they did for this year. If uh, you're going to go and honor somebody like that, a player, make it a big deal. It was just, it was lame. It was, it was lame, um, not only to recognize Lou Gehrig, but then also to bring awareness of ALS. And yeah, MLB failed on both parts. So from that standpoint, we shouldn't feel bad because the people who put it on hardly mentioned it either, it seems. We, just this little podcast that nobody really listens to but us and what, six other people? Yeah. And to you yeah. six, thanks for listening. We appreciate you. We really we do. do. Yes. Hey, if you, uh, if you, you know, DM us on any of our social media, like on Twitter at Sibling Rivalry BB without the A, or Facebook or Instagram, Sibling Rivalry BB. Uh, reach out to us. We, uh, we might be able to get you a sticker and maybe even a t shirt. The Sibling Rivalry Baseball Podcast t shirt. All right. So let's get on with uh, the road to Omaha, and then we're going to get more into sticky substances because there's been some uh been some announcements from uh from the manfreded one about enforcement so we'll get to that in a minute but right now big news out of the college baseball playoffs and that would be 
for the first time since 2013, North Carolina State, the Wolfpack, is on their way back to the College World Series. Which means Arkansas is not. Right. That's Which the is bigger a news. Huge. The overall number one. The overall number one is out. They will not be moving on. Uh, that makes uh, Texas technically the highest ranking team to move on as far as the overall rankings. Uh, NC State, last time they went, a couple of guys you might have heard of were uh, were playing for the team. Uh, that would have been Trey Turner and a guy who we've heard this year. And actually, he'll pop up in around the league. Carlos Rodon who has pitched a no-hitter this year, was part of that NC State team that went in 2013. They didn't win it all. But yeah, NC State eliminated the Razorbacks. Uh, Jose Torres homered off of their ace, Kevin Copps, who was the SEC Pitcher of the Year. And, uh, and that eliminated Arkansas there in Fayetteville. Cops, uh, I thought this was interesting. Uh, Kevin Cops stayed after the game at his home stadium for an hour and signed autographs from all of the uh, all of the Razorback fans. Stephen Scoach or Scoach Scoosh, I don't know how you say his name, who's been uh, related, uh, has been compared to Kenny Powers of eastbound and down and his Virginia squad has, uh, has moved on, uh, to the, uh, World Series. They took out your Cinderella favorite Dallas Baptist. He, he, they were the last ones, the last ones that I thought I could root for DBU and Virginia came along with their pitcher who's afraid of caves and loves dipping dots. I've learned right. a he, lot about his, him. His dogs think he's awesome. That's and that's the way it should be. Yeah, he's he was pretty funny uh listening to him. They uh well but they they were as far as like the seeds in their region went, they were both number three seeds. Yes. And one of your favorite Dodgers is a UVA alum. Yes, maybe you can CT three. Well, again, don't be so cavalier about this. (laughs) Root on the Cavaliers. I I think I will. You know, I might as well. We've talked about my my beginnings um, in the humble state of uh, my humble beginnings in the state of Virginia, which I don't remember, but I was born there. I can tell you, you a lot remember. about it. If you want to yeah. know, ask me. I can. I can tell you. <laughs> I think I have you know, since been there to see where I was born, but it's several years later. Yeah, not the same as like uh, the experience of being a kid there. Right. Right. Yeah. No. Yeah. I think. I think my appreciation of history, especially U.S. history came from living there because they're right within just a few miles of us in any different direction was in some like just a mile or two away Mm -hmm. from us. And when I was a kid, Dr. J 
played for the Virginia Squires. And they would play part of their games in Hampton, the city we lived in. So, cool. anyway, uh, who else moving on to the Omaha? So we've got Texas and Mississippi State, and they actually will be playing in Omaha. Uh, Texas beat South Florida. Mississippi State beat your favorite, Notre Dame. Yep. Finally, they got eliminated. Not as quickly as I wanted, but finally. We have Arizona, who uh, beat Ole Miss. And the interesting thing is, is Ole Miss forced a game three against Arizona after beating the Wildcats 12-3, to but then Arizona came back in game three to beat Ole Miss 16-3. to So Arizona oh, Wildcats yeah? have well, punched. Well, take this. <laughs> That's Rebels. Right. They uh, punched their ticket to Omaha. And, of course, um, I should have picked Arkansas to be the seed that would not be making it to Omaha. But I picked Vandy, and they proved me wrong. And they will also be in Omaha. And they will be facing Arizona. So, And we did not mention the Cardinal of Stanford will also be on their way to Omaha. Uh, and the Volunteers of Tennessee. Yes. They eliminated the Bregmans, the <laughs> LSU Bregmans, and uh, they'll be taking on Virginia yes. in Omaha. Now, unlike the, the Super Regionals, which were uh, the best of three, we're back to double elimination. There's two brackets, bracket A and bracket B. So NC State and Stanford, Arizona and Vandy will play in one bracket. Uh, the other side is Texas, Mississippi State, Virginia, and Tennessee. Uh, and then it'll be double elimination. So they'll go from there, and then whoever makes it out of the brackets will play in the finals from each side until – Somebody's lost two. That's it. All right. So next week, it will all be all about Omaha when we're talking about the College World Series. We're out of the playoffs and into the College World Series. So that'll be real fun thing and exciting. All right. Now, the big thing, and it's become like a segment every week here in some shape or form, illegal substances, doctoring the baseball, which we all know has happened throughout baseball. Once they realized, pitchers realized they could do, you know, I think we talked about this before, but at the beginning of it, baseball, the pitcher was really just somebody out there tossing the ball up so that the ball could be put into play and get things going. And the batter could even say, here, put it here. I want it right here so that when they hit it, they would be right in where they like to hit. Um, and the pitchers eventually said, I don't think so. And they started doing other things, even throwing underhanded, which is what they were supposed to do. They tried different things. Eventually, baseball said, OK, we'll make a change. That that's that seems more fun. And from there, it's just steadily gotten out of control, apparently. Um, and recently, in fact, in the last couple of weeks. A lot of players have. Kind of come out and said, yeah, we're using stuff. Without coming out and saying that, other players have admitted to it. I know that Troy Percival, 
who was um, mentioned, former uh, Angels reliever, was mentioned in the whole Bubba Harkins uh, thing as far as uh, using different concoctions, which also will connect to Garrett Cole, who we'll talk about in just a second. But even he's come out and said, yeah, I used to put some stuff on the ball too. So, and there's a rule like 3.01 or something like that. It talks about not discoloring the ball, not using paraffin or, or, uh, emery boards or, or licorice or dirt. You're not even supposed to put rosin on the ball. You put rosin on your hands, but not on the ball. And then there's, what is the, what is it called? The, you mentioned in the opening spider tack. Spider tack, which was uh, concocted by a guy who actually competes in like the strongest man competition. And they carry these really big, like boulder like things. And they, that was used for that to get a good grip on that. Cause it's like a, it's like a medicine. It looks like a medicine ball, but it's bigger than that. And, he had no idea that it was even being used for uh, baseball. No, he said he was, he, all of a sudden he was getting orders from all these weird different places and that the number of orders shot up all of a sudden it was really popular and he didn't really understand why I guess he does now. Recently, Garrett Cole was asked if he used it and he kind of, what was the one I saw in one story I read? He did an Elaine Bennis-like dance around the answer, around very the question. Awkward. And it was, if you saw it, he's like, I don't know how to answer that. So essentially said, yes, I have. Well, Adam Wainwright has also come out and said that he used substances sticky substances in 2019 but he just it he didn't like it. it didn't work for him it didn't it didn't seem to make a difference uh cory kluber has also been outed but i'm this the guy who outed him brian harkins or brian bubba harkins the former angels clubhouse attendant i'm not saying that he kluber didn't use something or he didn't have contact with harkins but I think Harkins has something to gain out of this whole situation. So is, like is he throwing names out? Remember, remember the, the, um, and there's been movies about it. I can't remember which one specifically that would be a good illustration of this, but when they had all those back in the fifties, they had all of those hearings about communism and then well, if you McCarthy, went front, yeah yeah the McCarthy stuff but if you went in front of the uh, the the at the hearing and you gave up people that saved you you basically were were shielded so the more you gave up the more protected you were mm. so you just roll on people you never one term one time somebody said communism I looked at their face and they looked like they were thinking communist thoughts. Bubba Harkins, he thought about calling me, but he didn't. And he think he he would. So all of this is just getting out of control. And the MLB has finally decided after 
whatever they were doing, I guess, compiling data. And some of these things have been called out. Trevor Bauer called out a bunch of this stuff back in like 2018 and nothing's been done. And Trevor Bauer is being a scapegoat for the whole thing because they're saying like, well, if he's the one who called it out, he's trying to hide something. What is that? Whoever dealt it or whoever smelt it, dealt it. (laughs) Right. That's, that's what they're thinking. But he's always said, make it a, uh, a level playing field. I think for Trevor Bauer personally, just reading about him and then watching him pitch, he's, and hearing other guys that have been on team on the teams with him, he's he's really he's very analytical already. I think he, you know, I we mentioned before his dad's an engineer. I don't know what he ma- majored in in college. I would think it's probably engineering. So I think he's got that kind of mind. Now, did he use something? I don't know. I wouldn't say he didn't. I, but, I think he probably did because everybody does. Right. Um, but why pick on on him? Because he's easy to pick on is really what the well, deal he's is. He's outspoken. He, you, you know, the right. people that are out in front of everything and and are are not afraid to put themselves out there. That's who's going to get he's he's made himself the target. Right. Whether he deserves to be or not. Um, I can't remember what he wrote, but Liam Hendricks. A reliever for the Cubs brought it out that he tried stuff and it didn't really. And of course, he could be a target because they've seen his spin rates have improved. He was almost DFA'd a couple of different times from different clubs. And he's talking about it. He's like, but there's got to be something. Yeah. he and, He's with the White Sox. Oh, the White Sox. That's right. I don't know why I said the Cubs. <laughs> well, it's a Chicago team. Right, but still. Well, it made me know. think of his, he had a little bit of a temper tantrum the other night because it was raining and every ball that the the umpire threw to him was wet because it was pouring down. But it was the ninth inning. They wanted to just get through the game and he was throwing the balls on the ground. He's like, I can't use my sticky stuff. No, I don't. Right. <laughs> it's washing. It's washing everything off. <laughs> I well, think- Dusty Baker said that, you know, this kind of stuff has been going on since the beginning of time is how he he said. And he said he wasn't sure how they're going to enforce it. We know that there will be 10 day suspension with pay if a pitcher is found with substances on the on the ball. And but he said that MLB is trying to get the game to go faster. And he feels that this is going to slow down the game. And umpires need to worry about calling balls and strikes, which we know this season they have not done a good job. Right now. Now let's add something else on top of it. So they're going to be trying to call balls and strikes while the whole time they're going to be watching the pitcher or other players to see if they're doing something that seems suspicious and could be doctoring the ball. Right. They have a hard enough time focusing on just one thing. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, and I then, was will just they thinking... be using the, the, the replay to see because there's been a lot of stuff on social media where like the other day I saw a thing of you Darvish where they're like, 
he was rubbing something in his glove. And I heard uh, Mark DeRosa on MLB uh, Network say something. It's like people, you know, there's guys going to their gloves to places that they've never touched their glove there before. That glove, that part of their glove has never, ever been touched by anything. And now they're rubbing it. You know, it's like the finger up on the side of the glove. They're rubbing. It's like, so it's obvious there are a lot of, um, there's a lot of video evidence that makes it obvious that people are doing stuff in their gloves or, you know, there was a player that had pine tar on his neck. You could walk up and put your hand on the back of Justin Turner's on Justin Turner's back, rub a little off of his uh, Jersey. I was just thinking that. (laughs) I mean, it looks like Tony Gonsolin has like spaghetti sauce or something on his sleeve every time he pitches. So that could be something. Who knew? (laughs) You uh, You know, a good, uh, what are they? Good gravy. That's right. Good gravy. And, uh, you know, comes up and that's why you're hungry for Italian after the game, whenever, uh, the cat man pitches. Right. Well, I was thinking too, I mean, the umpires are, we know we've seen through challenges, how sometimes they get the play right or the call, right. Sometimes they don't. And then it gets challenged. It gets overturned. But if you're just standing there, yeah, you're the second baseman. They're not even getting overturned. I know. <laughs> if you're the second base umpire, the first base umpire, and the guy goes and like scratches his nose, they'll be like, "Oh, I gotta check that ball." You know. Oh, he had a. He had some Clearasil. Right. On uh, what is he? He said he had a zit up there, but they put a little Clearasil on his blemish, and now. It's now on the ball. So starting on Monday, the 21st, so what's that? The first day of summer. Yep. They're going to start enforcing this, the 10 10, uh, game suspensions. If it's found that a pitcher has it, he'll be immediately uh, ejected. If any position player, say the catcher, because that would work. The pitcher doesn't have it. The catcher could be rubbing something. That's a little too close to the umpire, maybe. But then again, the umpire can't see what's happening most of the time right there. It seems like the catcher would be perfect. Yeah, right under the nose. The catcher could probably, like, stick it on the umpire's leg and reach back and be like, hey, you're the one supplying it there, Joe West, Angel (laughs) Hernandez. But if, you know, they see it happen, you know, they're throwing the ball around the horn and the shortstop or the third baseman rubs in their glove with the ball a little bit before they throw it, that could get them tossed. And they're supposed to check numerous times throughout the game. The other thing that's supposed to help with the timing is like when the pitcher comes out of the game. So in between innings, when you would be in commercial, they're supposed to be checking. So like if a, uh, if a, a reliever comes in, you check them as they're leaving the game or at the end of the inning. You have to, I think they said that uh, the starters need to be checked at least twice and relievers at least once based off of, you know, how much time they're actually going to be in the game. And then being tossed out, they'll be ejected and they'll be suspended. And teams cannot replace the suspended player. They have, they're down that pitcher. Now, what happened? If you have two or three pitchers that all all get caught, you're down 
from 26 to 23 and you can't you can't call anybody up to replace them this is the biggest mess that mlb i mean this MLB is has done yeah it is i think it's almost like they have made mistakes in the past and like with the asterisks and then steroids everybody you know knew and they didn't do anything and then they kind of did some stuff they did a crackdown but this just seems really over the top and i don't think it's good for the game i think it's going to hurt negotiations when it comes up for cba i think that they need to just leave the game of baseball alone it was fine before rob manfred got involved and since he's been involved it's just seemed to be getting worse and it's not the game itself but it's all these little things that he does it's not baseball no it's, it's not MLB. baseball it's mlb and they continue to try to tinker with something that doesn't need to be tinkered with like leave it alone and MLB owns Rawlings. So they make the baseball. Why can't they make a baseball that is for the safety of the players? We know this happens. Let's make it so it's a little hacky and do that. Apparently, Why do we have to have 10 game suspensions and now you're you're really messing with the game. If you want to talk about scripted, now games are going to be scripted. Yeah, I was wondering about that too. Because if you went that route or you did the conspiracy theory thing, it's like and scripting is how much of of this back and forth between the players and you know is this all just part of the game? Well, I don't need if I want scripted drama i can watch that on any tv channel probably how many of how many shows are there that come up all the time on streaming services i don't need it in baseball and going back to the balls real quick apparently in uh, the japanese league they have a tackier ball so why not look and see what they're doing and figure out how to they want a level playing field they keep saying but the more they're messing with things and Pete Alonzo came out and essentially said they mess with the ball all the time, especially in trying to uh, manipulate the market. Now from that side of it, that doesn't seem right because a lot of, you know, they're trying to make it so the pitchers won't make as much by changing the ball. So, you know, more home runs or more offense, or there's more offensive players coming out. They do it the other way, so that way, you know, well, the offense is the way it is because of analytics. Pitching is the way it is because not only of analytics, but because there's something fun. The one thing I always remember was was when I learned how to throw a curveball, and I couldn't throw it very well, but to be able to throw the ball and snap your wrist or do something that made it do something different other than just go straight – that's fun. And you got guys like Trevor Bauer and there's others. He's not alone in this who are trying to find ways to make a pitch, do something that nobody's pitch has ever done. 
And now we're going to take, and I, I get it. Substances on the whole, uh, you know, it changes things, but if you're going to take away somebody's out pitch now who needs a little bit of something to give it just that extra spin, you're going to kill some careers here. And maybe you shouldn't have had a career if you have to count on an outside substance. But how many times have we watched a video of just an unreal pitch? Clayton Kershaw's curveball. It almost looked like an Ephus pitch sometimes the way that he goes. And I'm sure there's no... I don't think he needs any tack to to throw that, but it's an incredible pitch. Now, when you see a slider and all of a sudden the way it slides over and, and just, or even just to, you miss out all those fun things like watching some of these, you know, hits, you know, some of these, you know, home runs that are hit, unless this is all scripted. And at the end, they're all going to come together and sing Kumbaya and, uh, and be happy with one another and sign this. I see, that we're headed for another for more labor strife and they just can't baseball just can't ever seem to get out of its own way Mm-mm. and do they they say this is what's best for baseball but it's not best play the daggone game stop with all this other mess yes you allowed this to get to the point that it's at it never needed to be this far and you could have been you could have have controlled this better so that maybe it still would have just been rosin and sunscreen and everybody's using the same thing pine tar on a bat people are like now comparing that it's like all right well i'd rather them be able to hold on to that bat than my pitcher constantly having to jump out of the way of a bat yeah i was just thinking it made when you said pine tar in the bat and made me think of um george brett coming out of the dugout when yeah. he said he had too much pine tar. Oh, it went far too far up. Too I'm far, like, yeah. But why did that matter? Yeah, it, right. When he hit it, the ball, the pine tar didn't do it. The pine tar would have made the ball stick to it more. Exactly. So you took away a home run or whatever it was because the you know the, with the pine tar, what difference did that make? You know, I mean, it's always a fun thing to watch to see George Brett lose his mind coming yes. out of the dugout like that. It's, it's a, you know, that's a fun memory. It's a classic. Yeah. But once again, you know, and, and then they didn't care. MLB didn't care about steroids when it was helping them that whole summer of McGuire and Sosa and the home run chase was great for baseball. Yes. Ticket People sales came back were... in droves. Mm-hmm. And you should have thanked them. And it wasn't against the rules. Yeah. So why does anybody, anybody that's doing it after the rules were stated. So Mark McGuire, whether he used them or not, did for baseball, had he and Sammy Sosa not done what they did that year, baseball eventually would have probably found their way back until they stumbled over them themselves again because the steroids really were early 2000s we had the sign stealing and and all that that got what two people got and they're both back in baseball yeah managing teams joey cores uh, um alex core joey's his brother alex got his old job back it was like they just put somebody in there for as a holder a placeholder for a year yeah he went on sabbatical yeah i'm uh I'm going to go write a book and center myself. 
And then A.J. Hinch. The only one who's really losing out on this is A.J. Hinch because he had to go to a team that's just awful. That was his punishment was to go into the Tigers. Tigers. I don't I just the whole thing. It's just like leave baseball alone. And if we already have seen in the last two weeks, the you can read article after article about this guy's spin rate is down. It's not the same. He had a bad outing because, and so there's all this, you know, that conspiracy theory going on. Oh, it's because he must have used this. And then it goes back to how are these umpires going to be on lookout everywhere for something? You know, Johnny on the spot when. Sorry, it looked even... like he was he was going he was using something and I missed that that was a ball or a strike. Yeah. So focused on whether or not he's uh rubbing something off of his belt loop. Right. Yeah, if you want to read more about this, uh, go to the Athletic and I could have went down a major rabbit hole with this because they've got a whole thing MLB sticky situation I think is what they called this whole section and you can just go from one story to the next. It'll and, make your uh, head spin. Yeah, there is just the so much. Thing. Yeah, your, the spin rate on your head will be more than any pitch. And <laughs> what, I, what I'm looking at is we need to enjoy this baseball season because we may not have one at least at the start of next year because they're going to be fighting. And I don't think, I don't think the, um, the owners are going to give in as easily as you know they've never really given in easily but i think that uh i think there's going to be an issue with them and the players and unless it's fully scripted and they play the game back and forth and then come together at the last minute the 11th hour as they say whoever they are i just don't see this ending well I don't either. It's time for Dodger baseball. We talked about last week that all-star game voting, the fan voting uh, has begun. And uh, if your name is Max, you have good news and bad news this week. We'll start with the good news. Good news is he is the number one vote getter at first base in the NL. So currently, it looks like he's on his way, deservedly so, to Colorado to play in this year's All-Star Game. Six other Dodgers have joined him uh, in getting votes and are all within like the top six at their position. We talked about Max being number one. Uh, Gavin Lux is number three in the voting at second base. Corey Seager, who, when was the last time Corey played? April? Mm, I think May. May. Early May. Uh, he's number three behind Javi and uh, and FT Phone Home. Justin Turner is number three, uh, deservedly so behind Chris Bryant, who's at number one. But uh, he's been having a great year. He is ahead of Manny Machado, and that's really all that matters. Yes. Uh, the National League, uh, the uh, top vote getter is uh, Ronald Acuna Jr., 
No surprise there. Mookie Betts at number four. And uh, the guy that we've been voting for, number six, Chris Taylor, who, if he had a bigger name, would be ahead of Mookie Betts and deserves to be on the all-star team more than Mookie does. And Mookie would probably agree with that. Yeah. And then uh, the Fresh Prince, Will Smith, is number four in the catcher voting. Uh, Buster Posey is the top there, once again, deservedly so. So seven Dodgers on there, and Max Muncy, like I said, number one at first base. Hopefully we'll get Chris Taylor in there. And you can put Chris Taylor. Now he's listed under the outfield. So when you go, you have to wait because you're like, where is he? But you can write in votes for second base, for shortstop. He plays all of those. Write it in. Right Chris Taylor, in. then you vote yeah. for him, you know, three times, three there different positions. I would do that. I could do second base. I think he plays second base better than what's his name? G Lux. Pretty decent week for the Dodgers. Of course, they were playing the two of the worst teams in the league. One of them they swept and in game one versus the Pirates, the, the second series they played versus the Rangers. But in game one versus the Pirates, we were once again reminded why the Pirates are in last place. And that would have been courtesy of Pittsburgh Pirates rookie Cabrian Hayes. Walker Bueller pitching. Walker Bueller's been doing great, not giving up any runs or anything. But Cabrian, who's on the list to be a rookie of the year, he's a rookie of the year candidate, took him deep. So Walker gives up a home run. And once again, the Pirates being the Pirates found a way to mess it up. They manfreded it. Oh, <laughs> they, yeah, they manfreded this. Cabrian Hayes does his home run trot. But who was the eagle eye in the Dodger dugout who caught something that was a miss? Our cuz, Austin Barnes. Nice. And what did he see? He saw Cabrian Hayes missing first base. He did not touch first base. And not by just a little bit where it could have been like, oh, he just kind of scraped it a little bit. He was like a whole foot width off of first base. Off the base. And when I saw this, the first thing, a lot of people were confused. The announcers were confused because where the ball hit, it hit the foul pole. And it was a home run when they showed the replay. But at first is like, it was that a home run? Which way did it hit? And then all of a sudden, it's like the Dodgers are challenging. Like, why are you challenging? It's obvious it's a home run. Then they showed the proof of his foot on the other side of the bag. He didn't even touch first base. I don't know that. how he missed that and how he didn't realize he didn't touch it. Yeah. Maybe there was confusion because... Maybe he went to the Cody Bellinger school of base running. Not sure. I, well, I'm, I would say Cody does hit the base. He just sometimes not sure where to go. Right. When, what do I do? That right. guy's coming back at me. What do I do? Where do I go? I yeah. No. So, so that was hmm. the beginning of the series and. It just went downhill so instead there. Instead of giving up a run there, Walker Bueller gets saved by Cabrian Hayes's Manfred up and gives up no runs in the game. Now, 
he only struck out two. And I've got to say this versus Pittsburgh, who strikes out at, towards the top of the league, we here in Southern California went hungry. Now, not completely hungry, and we'll talk about why a little bit later. But we went hungry because they never got 10 strikeouts in a game. They got close in game two with nine Ks. But in this game, they only had five. Walker only had two of them. But he pitched seven innings. Didn't really, I guess, technically didn't give up any runs. I feel kind of bad for Cabrian Hayes. Not only does he have to play for the Pirates, but that's one of those things I don't think you ever live down. I mean, to this day, how many times do we see the ball bounce off of Canseco's head? Yeah, a lot. You know, those little things like that that are like major mess ups. And the weird thing is, this wasn't the only time that this happened on the same day. In the minor leagues, Mike Witt Jr., Mike Witt Sr. was a pitcher, pitched for the Angels, among other teams. Mike Witt Jr., in the minors, I think he's a double A player hits a home run he he gets first base but he misses home plate how on how the do you do that hey i don't know there needs to be some base running drills being on especially for those two guys and cody needs to join them they need to have winter remedial base running you know how like summer school since yes. they play in the summer it's got to be winter school and they got to mm-hmm. go learn how to and then they just get put into games for, for base running that's it in the winter league, in the Arizona instructional fall league. Yeah, the Pirate series, all three games involved rain. The first two games were delayed because of rain. And then the third game was called because of rain. Um, but it had gone, it got called in the top of the eighth. So it was de- deemed a complete game. So the Dodgers went on to sweep the Pirates in that game uh, six to three. Was the final score. I knew they weren't going to be able to come back and play because there were puddles, huge puddles in the outfield for me. I mean, it just all of a sudden is like the sky opened up and buckets of rain were just dropping down. And and that game was on YouTube. And Sean Casey, a uh, former major leaguer, he was there. He lives in the area, I guess. And his papers, you know, his notes were flying all over the press box. And they had, you know, the YouTube logo, baseball game of the week, backdrops. They were falling over. So it was quite a storm. Yeah, I didn't see that. It it happened. I forgot that it was there and that it was on YouTube. Uh, In that game, though, Julio Urias, six innings pitched. He gave up three runs, struck out five. And he gave up a home run, but he went one for two with two RBIs. So he was trying to contribute to his own. Uh, and then uh, game two was the return of Tony Gonsolin, right? Yes, Tony Gonsolin. spaghetti sleeve. And spaghetti sleeve. I really want to know that how, how we got to get him. Like, we got to really try hard. See if Catman would come on and tell us about that sleeve. Because it, it intrigues me. Every time, like, how does it happen? Like, I get the tar, you know, on the back of Justin Turner's, but this is like, it looks like spaghetti. Like, he just wiped his, you know, mouth with his sleeve before the game. Oh, I got a pitch. Okay, I got to get out there. <laughs> Let me put so, down yeah. my... Well, in Tommy Lasorda, in memory of 
Yes. Tommy was a big pasta guy. Yeah, so he has a bowl of pasta before the game. Yeah, so uh, Tony came back, called him the cat man. He had been out since spring training with shoulder injury, and he just came back. He only pitched uh, one and two-thirds innings. He gave up two hits, uh, one run, walked five, and struck out four. So not probably the outing he was looking for, and probably not the outing maybe that the Dodgers were looking for because they were hoping he'd go longer so they wouldn't have to go into the bullpen. Uh, But it did turn into a bullpen game. Kinley got his 14th save of the season in that game. The other guys that came out, they they looked good. So, but hopefully for Tony, it will, he'll just get better. One of the things too, is we always have to remember when they do rehab stints, especially pitchers, they go to double A or triple A. And a lot of the hitters are not, you know, they haven't been to the majors, maybe, but most of them haven't. So a lot of the pitches that they're going to, that in the majors, that the patterns are going to lay off of the minor leaguers will try to hit. And so I think it skews, you know, it's good to be on the mound and throw in a game, but it also skews it when you get back into the majors. All right. So they, they, uh, they took the broom to Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh and then came home to take on the Rangers. Once again, the bottom of the AL West, another team who's, pretty much all but out of it. And uh, they didn't quite have the same success. However, in two, the first two games, we all had Jumbo Jacks. <laughs> Which That's always the important thing. I really that- don't care anymore if they win or not. They just got to get 10. Because <laughs> really, in game two, they didn't win. But they, did- they had 11 Ks. Thus, we get a Jumbo Jack. And interesting, too, is in game one, they beat the Rangers 12 to 1, which mm-hmm. you're like, okay, that it's the Rangers. They should beat them 12 to 1. The second game, the Rangers said, no, <laughs> we're going to beat you 12 to 1. Oh, yeah. You think you can uh, do this? So can we. Yeah. AJ Pollock was uh, the lone run in that game with the home run. The One stat in all of this that stood out to me uh, was in that game, CT3, very uncharacteristic, three strikeouts. Yeah, and if you notice, if you go through the box scores and if Chris Taylor doesn't have a hit, they're usually on the losing side. Right. It's just one of those, you know, you kind of notice. One thing also in game two is Andy Burns who I had just seen play with Oklahoma City Dodgers in Albuquerque, got called up. And he had two major things happen. He got his first major league hit and his first major league strikeout. Oh, I thought you were going to say, and he got to use spider tech. No, <laughs> no, he didn't need to. He got his strike. I mean, he did give up a home run, but well, you don't he, know he didn't. He Maybe he maybe was, he did. or maybe some other concoction. <laughs> Yeah, he got know. that first hit, and then yeah, and then he pitched. How crazy pitched. is that? <laughs> yeah, for, we had our first uh, position player pitching. He did leave the game. He has an 18 
ERA. So I don't know if he'll be asking Dave Roberts, hey, can I pitch again to get that lower? Or he'll just Honestly, go with it. in that game, wasn't it? It was only uh, David Price who had clean inning. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Everybody else, because Trevor well, Bauer, they, didn't Trevor, Trevor Bauer gave up six runs. Yes. Eight strikeouts. Uh, Nate Jones, who we'd been singing his praises, gave up four runs. I know. And then, of I, course, Andy Burns gave up two runs. But Andy Burns is a position player who'd been a rookie. I mean, he's a yeah. rookie. But he just he got called up. Uh, yeah, that's it. In game one, Max Muncie came up, hit a home run, and then had right side tightness which I screamed at the TV, not the oblique. And <laughs> uh, by the way, this is the bad news portion yes. <laughs> of the max news. <laughs> yes. And yes, unfortunately that well, he right day to day, right. To start with he, the oblique. Yes. The oblique well, and gay. before that he had had hurt his ankle right. and that was day to day. And that seemed to be better and then now he's on the 10-day for the oblique. In the same game, Cody Bellinger had a hamstring. He said it was just a cramp, but it is not just a cramp. And he is also day-to-day with a hamstring, left hamstring injury. Looks like he probably will be back on the IL after coming back off the IL um, where he had been for... I don't know, almost, was it a month and a half, two months? Yeah, for quite quite a while. So that's our bad news. Game three of the Rangers series, the Dodgers were up five to nothing. And in typical Dodger fashion. Bullpen can't, And bullpen. Bill Skip Bickford faced four batters in the ninth. He gave up three hits and three earned runs. So now it's. Five to three. Now it's a Kenley Jansen situation. And Kenley, being Kenley, who likes to make sure that we're all wearing our heart monitors, had bases loaded. I mean, it was just heart. It was really heart stopping. And I thought, how could you go from five to nothing? Now you're five to three. And I love Kenley. And he Didn't did they get go his... from 13 to nothing yes. to 14 to 11? Yes, it was the same thing. Kinley did get you his 15 save did? in that game. Skip came out, did his Kinley impersonation, and Kinley said, oh, yeah, I'm the only Kinley that can do Kinley. <laughs> well, it worked out because he got some pop-ups and I think like a ground ball, and that ended the inning and the game. Luckily, because the Dodgers have uh, Philadelphia at home for three games, and then they will start their uh, six-game road trip in Arizona against the Diamondbacks. So, and then they, uh, they'll a little bit later in June, they'll also uh, do some inter-division rivalries with uh, San Francisco and. San Diego, San Diego being first uh, in that game. Three Mookie Betts uh, contributed, scored three runs, two for three, hit a home run. Uh, Zach McKinstry, three for three, two RBIs and a double. And then Walker Bueller started that game. Six innings pitched, no runs given up and struck out five. And we didn't get to eat that day because 
only well we didn't get a jumbo jack right blake trinan did um have a strikeout but it was only one strikeout and six does not equal 10 so no jumbo jack all right before we get to this week's player of the week let's go look at albert's corner Albert uh, was in five games this week, went four for 13 for a 308 batting average on the week. Uh, his uh, his batting average on the season's 218, but uh, had that good week. Two runs, one home run, so that brought him up to 672 and one RBI. Uh, on the season, uh, he's got 10 home runs, 25 RBIs, and one stolen base. And I think that... I know a lot of people would probably be saying, Albert, why did you, Dodgers, why did you sign him, whatever. But I think overall, he's been a good pickup for him, as we said before. I know, once again, like I am with Nolan Ryan, I am an Albert Pujols fan and an apologist. So I will go out of my way to find good things about Albert Pujols. As, as far as his playing is concerned, because otherwise he doesn't need that. But he's definitely a great influence on the clubhouse. He's always smiling. He's helpful. I think uh, one thing I've noticed is, is Walker Bueller has taken to him. He's always telling him, hey, he's very upbeat, very encouraging. Walker, hey, don't let that get to you. You're a great pitcher. I have never seen stuff like that. He's always telling him stuff. And Walker, while pitching well, has continued. When the rest of the staff seems to have their issues, he's been the most consistent. And that yeah, might be part of it. Yeah, and he's the, the quiet one. Well, and also in the clubhouse, uh, Albert doesn't just have that presence there, but also there are a lot of Spanish-speaking players on the Dodgers that are were quiet, and he's getting them to come out of their shell according to uh, Clayton Kershaw said that that a lot of um, Spanish speaking players that you know they're just quiet and didn't really say a whole lot and Albert is getting them drawing them, them out yes come nice. out be part of this and uh, yeah right. and he's always got a smile on his face I and mean, that's just the best part he just loves being there we'll check in again next week to see how Albert's doing and what could be his final year of professional baseball. For the Dodgers, they did have two things that happened as far as transactions. Um, besides the IL, Mitch White was sent to Oklahoma City. Dennis Santana was DFA'd. So Thank doesn't necessarily God. mean that he's gone, but I would think he's probably no longer going to be a Dodger. This week's player of the week. Take it away. I went with... Walker Bueller this week, he went two for three in his, at the plate in his, uh, when he pitched in Pittsburgh and he went seven innings in Pittsburgh. Not, you know, it's not like, oh, he had, you know, 13 strikeouts. He only had two. And then in the game against Texas, he only had the five strikeouts, went six innings, but he is the quiet guy that you forget is in between you know that is pitching because you got Clayton Kershaw and you have Trevor Bauer and Walker Bueller's just doing his thing and he is undefeated he is 6-0 and this season and the last time he lost a game against was against Colorado was in 2019 wow 
So I went with Walker Bueller. Well, that was my pick as well. Uh, just looking at everything and what he did when I went back through all the games, uh, like you said, he did, uh, he pitched two games. He pitched in both uh, games of this last week's series or in both series, uh, two games total, 13 innings pitched, gave up seven hits, no runs, struck out seven, the batting average against him, 156. And then he batted 400, went two for five. So he, he helped himself. Uh, before we uh, before we move on uh, to take a look at what the Angels did this last week, something I wanted to note, Matt Beatty batting 280 since he's been back from his little stint in uh, OKC or the alternate site, wherever he went. He went he to went alternate Ari- site. Yeah, I went to Arizona. Um, he has come back and has been consistent, and he's batting 280 currently. He's been in that platoon for the most part, with Albert, he gets the righties. Albert gets the lefties, and uh, from so that and that's been working. Also, Dodger Stadium will be full this week as California is opening up uh, their uh, economy and uh, dropping a lot of the the rules and regulations that uh, we've been living with for the last year. So when you look in at any Dodger game, expect it to be fully rocking. I wouldn't be surprised if it looks like there's an earthquake happening. Cause Dodger I was going to say, you excited. might be able to uh, feel it at your house. Angels had a better week than the Dodgers. You wonder how that could be. Well, and before we get to that, just so you know, this week's Angel segment is brought to you by Witchy Poo Brooms for a clean sweep like the Angels had all week. They played Kansas City, the ever-submerging Royals, not the same team they met up with earlier in the season, and the Arizona Diamondbacks for the first time this season, and they are eliminated. They're the worst. I think they get the worst record, or they're the farthest behind everybody in uh, in baseball so great week this is it as we've talked about with the angels before generally they're playing about 500 ball last week they were three and three or two weeks ago three and three this last week clean sweep six games the dodgers couldn't even do that against two bad teams so things were looking up for the angels pitching still eh? dylan bundy still having issues did get a win but he's still giving up home runs, and that's his biggest issue, that he hadn't always been that guy. And I was thinking before we get into the games, let's go ahead and start off this Angel segment with the Shohei Spotlight. Number one, Shohei is the top vote getter in the DH category for the uh, American League. And they have one other guy who's getting votes. We'll talk about him in a little bit. Uh, Shohei, six games. Uh, he pitched one of those. Went six for 13. Batted 462. Had a home run. Three RBIs. Three doubles. Scored five runs. Over the week, he pitched five innings. Gave up five hits, two runs. Struck out eight. No home runs given up for 2.85 ERA. Faced 24 batters. Through 86 pitches, 60% of them being strikes. And like I said, he is probably going to be on the all-star 
team at least voted in as the DH, maybe even used as a pitcher. Because if you're really going to use him right in this exhibition... Uh, and Joe so Madden stuck. said that he was okay with that. Yeah, because, you know, he doesn't pitch that much, so why not let him throw an inning? Yeah. And uh, he stuck at 17. We'll talk in Around the League who's leading baseball with uh, home runs. So the sweep happened versus the Royals, and it wasn't close. This is how we expected the Angels to score run, and they're doing it without Mike Trout. So imagine if Mike Trout was part of this hitting the way he was. And just a quick note, it looks like Mike Trout may be out a little longer than they expected. Could be more towards the end of July. They're also saying, well, you know, knowing Mike, he may be back in time for the All-Star game. I think that Mike Trout should just set it all out. Make sure he's 100% right. Because if they can keep playing like this, they'll need him on a potential run to the playoffs. They took the first game eight to three, the second game eight to one, and the last game six to one. Common denominator in all three games. Any guesses? I think his I think his name is Max. See what I was saying? In Southern <laughs> California, it's good to be named Max. Because Max Muncie, Max Stassi. Every single game, three for four, two for four, two for four, uh, a home run, uh, RBIs, scored a run. He had some help in the first game. Anthony Rindo, one for four with an RBI. Juan Lagares, two for four. Bundy went 5.2 inning, gave up two runs, had two strikeouts. His ERA currently is 6.16. Can he come back from that? Sure he can. Will he? I don't know. I, I just don't know what... What's up with him? Is there an issue? I think you've mentioned it, used this before. I hope it's a mechanical or a mental issue and not a physical issue that requires surgery or something. Um, in game two, Shohei hit number 17, two for three with two RBIs. Andrew Haney, though, 6.2 and then only gave up one run, six hits, seven strikeouts and two walks. That's one thing I'd been noticing. Low number of walks overall. To So the strikeout-to-walk ratio has been pretty decent. And if you're keeping people off base, you're making their earn their way on. It's, a, it's nothing like walking a couple of guys on base and then somebody hitting a home run. You just gave them three runs. You could have gotten away with just one if that was the case. And then uh, Jose Iglesias helped out uh, Max as well as Anthony Rendon and Griffin Canning. A decent outing. Six and two-thirds, one run, and six Ks. They took a day off and then went to Arizona, where they busted out the brooms again. Now, this one was a little closer in the first two games. Uh, they actually went to Zinnings in the first game, pulled it out six to five. Now, Max wasn't a huge impact on this. However, he did have an RBI. He went 0 for 1 because he just pinched hit. Kurt Suzuki, the other catcher, he went three for three, two RBIs, one run. He had a great game. And then just as he was coming up, the Diamondbacks went to change their pitcher. However, he'd only faced two batters. Can anyone tell me what's wrong with this picture? Management of the game. Correct. That would be 100% true, 1,000% true. <laughs> yes. And the rule is you must face three batters 
So Joe Madden came out and said, hey, he's only done two batters. They made the pitcher come out. So the guy who was coming in had to either go back to the bullpen or into the dugout to wait his turn. They brought the other pitcher back out who promptly hit Kurt Suzuki in the back of his leg, his hamstring. And it was pretty hard, it looked. And Kurt went down, had a hard time. He tried to walk it off. He he went to first base, but they ended up pulling him out of the game. And that's why Max ended up in the game. They ended up winning it in, uh, in the Zinnings. Jared Walsh was the ghost runner, and he scored. So that uh, gave him six to five. They were able to shut them down in the uh, the bottom of the tenth. Shohei five innings pitched, two hits, eight uh, eight strikeouts, as I mentioned earlier, uh, and then he went two for four with an RBI and a run scored. The next game also close, eight to seven. Not Zinnings, but uh, Jay up walked three times, so he's keeping his on base percentage up there. Uh, Max again, two for five, two runs scored. Anthony Rendon was the big dog in this game, two for three with four RBIs and a home run. Alex Cobb, not a great outing, uh, only threw three innings, gave up seven hits, five runs. Julio Iglesias and Taylor Ward both went two for five in that game. And then finally, in the last one, they did what they should have been doing to Arizona the whole time, blowing them out 10 to three. And Max with a was one for four with a home run, two runs, Jared Walsh. Who should be uh, getting your votes for first base in the American League? Uh, I don't think he's even ranking in the top 10 of uh, for votes, but uh, he should be there. He went two for five, three RBIs with a home run. Fletch, who had a couple of okay games, a one-four game, an RBI here and there throughout these uh, the sweep week, uh, two for three with two RBIs, Jay up. Uh, three for five, an RBI, and two runs scored. And then Patrick Sandoval has been pretty decent as his last couple of times out. Six innings pitched, which I think is what he did last time. Uh, two run, Gave up two runs, struck out four, and walked two. And then a, a big thing that happened for the Angels, not really for the Angels. Have you ever gotten a foul ball at a game in all the games that you've gone to in your life? No. Have you ever been close, like within a row or two, or? Uh, maybe, yeah, with maybe a couple of rows, but usually I'm ducking for cover. Yeah, I, I've, I've never even had it within. Like it'll come in my general direction, and Blanco will be like, "Hey, here comes a ball." I'm like, "Yeah, it's gonna be over my head. It's gonna yeah. be way back." I don't even get up because I know it's not going to be, and I'm not going to play the bounce and, and fight with everybody about it. Right. Right. Because that's always where it happens. You get in there and then some little kids in there and you end up having to give the ball up to some little kid. Mm -hmm. And I'm sorry. I never got a foul ball at a game. I've been to hundreds of games. I've never gotten a foul ball. I've never gotten one within a couple of rows of me. And I'm telling you now, I want sections in the ballpark that are non-kid sections for two reasons. One, I don't want to be shamed into, because I won't be, people are going to hate me because I'm keeping the ball. If I catch it, I'm not going to give it to some little kid who's staring at me with little, little kid eyes. It's like, little kid, make your dad or your mom or whoever brought you to the game get the ball for you. I'm not giving the ball up. 
That's one. And number two, inevitably, I go to a game where they have a bobblehead and they take the bobblehead out of the box. And before the third inning, the bobblehead is broken. And while that's fine, if you don't want to do it, do it at home. Don't break it here at the game. I know it's not worth that much and it's not going to I'm not going to sell it like Tom Brady's football. They should have an age limit on the bobbleheads because really little kids shouldn't have that type of They should thing. have an age limit where you can have kids and an IQ test. <laughs> you're not smart enough to have a child because you're at a game and you pull it out because why? They want to keep the kid quiet or they want to stop them from pestering them to pull it out. But how many parents, it's the parents' fault. It's not the kids' fault. They should still have an age limit. But regardless, I've gone off in another direction. But gone off the rails. If I'm at a game and I'm sitting near you and you have kids, a kid, many kids, and the ball comes, number one, I'm not going to push anybody out of the way to get it. I'm not going to fight for it. If the ball comes to me, I will try to catch it. If I miss it, unless I get hit in the head by it, I will gladly give it up. But don't send your kids over looking at me thinking I'm going to give it to them because I caught it. That means I earned it. Get your little snot infested munchkins away from me and my baseball. Got it? Good. So in that, the third inning, I mean, sorry, in the third game of the Royals Angels series, in the bottom of the seventh, a foul ball was hit up and back. And I think it was in to like where the they have the they have like the diamond club that's right behind home plate. And there's tables so you could sit there and eat food and watch the game. So it's you've got to be able to get into the diamond club to go there. And there was a man standing there the ball comes up and over you really got to want a ball part of this i would have done most of it i wouldn't have done the ball comes over there's an open space where it's just concrete and then there's the tables the ball bounces he's trying to get it but it bounces back up into and hits him in the throat did you see this i did see this it hits him in the throat. And so now he can't really breathe because he, and he's in shock, but he notices immediately where the ball went because it bounced down off of him and went over to a table. So he, and he didn't, he didn't hesitate pain and all that. He must've been, you know, from that trachea whack that he just took. And he goes pretty much diving for the ball that had gone under one of those tables, whacks his head right on the edge of the table. Well, and it didn't help that there was a guy who nobody's around him or you couldn't see when it hits him in the throat. Right. Yeah. And then next thing you know, he's towards the table, pretty much diving towards the table, hits his head, but another guy is coming in to try to to get get that ball. ball. Like this guy has, he, earned this ball he has suffered physical abuse right 
Why and you're going to come and take it? And then, and then if he had gotten it, because the other guy had his hands on the ball, he touched it, but he didn't fully get it. The other guy came up with the ball, the guy who took the throat whack. Yeah. But this guy, I would, if I'm going over there, I'm going to shield him from other people because he's earned the ball. Yes. And not trying to, to me, take that's it away. A cheap way to get it. It's like when it's like when uh, somebody grabs a ball out of a little kid's hand. One of the coolest things I ever saw back in the day, Bo Jackson playing for the Royals at Angel Stadium comes over to give a ball to a little kid and some idiot comes over and tries to grab the ball that Bo's given to this little girl and Bo just held the ball. You're not going to get, what are you going to, you know, that's like, like the dog when he bites you and they clamp their, their jaws down and you can't open them till the dog decides to release or whatever. That's how Bo was with that ball. He was not giving it up. And then finally, and he just stared at the guy and the guy finally went, Oh, and walked away (laughs) and the little girl got the ball, but it was like, why do people do that? I I just stop fighting with him. He's given the ball to that kid. Well, there was an interesting, speaking of, this wasn't a foul ball. I think one of the players, it happened at Dodger stadium. And I don't remember if it was a Dodger or if it was the opposing team. Um, it just happened probably within the last, you know, two, three weeks. So they throw a ball up into the outfield and, and they specifically to this little boy. And he looks like he's maybe four or five and he has it, and his dad's looking at the ball, and he's excited. And then there's a couple sitting next to them. And the woman that was sitting next to the little boy, um, she he shows her the ball, and she's like, oh, you know, it's like, oh, this is nice. And then he whispers to his mom and ends up giving the ball to the woman <laughs> sitting next to him. I think he might have had a little crush on her. Is what happened. So that was kind of fun to see. I don't know if his dad was happy. Yeah, no, probably not. It's like because we we had a ball. Why right. would we be? Yeah, and that's... the lady was like, "Oh, you know, thank you. It's okay, you know." She I, and I don't know what happened. I I'm hoping maybe she gave it back. You know, said here. You know, you can here have give, this gave back. it to the mom or the dad. So just yeah, like, back later, hopefully. But yeah. that was that was nice. She didn't reach over and take it from him. No, she didn't. See, not. that's she... the problem I have. I'm not going to give up a ball that I got of my own effort. Right. But I'm not going to go over and, and take a ball from a kid or push people out of the way, whether it be a kid or an adult. Mm-hmm. If it comes to me and I can get it, or if, if like like it's in one of those sections where there's not a lot of people there, maybe it's towards the end of the game, and it bounces and I can go and reach over to the next row, and I'm not depriving somebody who was there, then that's yes. fine. But I'm not going to hurt somebody to get a ball, but like that guy, if he gets hurt, he's earned it. Don't go try to take the ball from him because dude's got his, he can't breathe. He dies for the ball, hits his head. Now he's got a concussion and you walk away with the ball, but guess what? It's on video and we all know what a jerk you are. You should be going to games in Houston because you're an ass fan. An asterisk fan all the way. 
So anyway, now Mike Trout leads all outfielders in votes for all step for the all-star game. While I get this, that he's a popular guy, he's well known, it's good for baseball. He hasn't played in a long time, nor will he be able to probably play in the all-star game. This is the problem with the all-star ballot. It's fun for the fans to vote. And they, of course, you're encouraged to vote for your team. But really, you should be looking at not just the name, but looking at what they're doing on the field instead of just, oh, well, it's Mike Trout, it's Bryce Harper, you know, these guys that really are not doing having a great season, but they get voted in based solely on their name. Or they're not going to be able to play in the game anyway, and you know right. it. Yeah, because they're on obviously, Obviously, the Angels voters are probably either voting for him, but there's a lot of people all over the place. There's probably people who vote for him just because they know what his name is. They yeah. don't know what's going on with him. Right. I just think that they should, MLB should take him off of the ballot and say, Mike Trout it will not be able to participate. I get it. It's like, well. Well, it's the same thing with Corey Seager. I mean, he he hasn't played. He had a fra- you know, fractured hand. He is in taking balls and throwing, you know, he's getting back up there, but should he be an all-star this year? No. And he really should just focus on, you know, he probably wouldn't play even if he was on the all-star team and he doesn't right. need to be there. But just yeah, because his numbers he, don't match up because he doesn't qualify for anything. Cause he's been out for so long. Right. That's like Cody Bellinger getting votes. That's fine. Maybe a couple of Dodger fans maybe do it, but he shouldn't play either. He has no qualification for the game this year. I know you want to be, and the problem, the bigger problem is that maybe in some of these guys' contracts, if they make the all-star team, they get a bonus or something. Yeah. All right. So anyway, Mike Trout, Shohei, I think, has to be there, and he's earned it. Yes. Mike Trout is an all-star. There's, we all know that, but he's not going to be there. Why do that? I mean, that does mean that somebody else is going to get a place, but it chances are they're not going to replace him with Jared Walsh, who should be an all-star. Yes. So vote for him. Exactly. Angels will, uh, are, are going to be up in Oakland and then they've got the Tigers. So good chance to move up because they've moved up into third place in the AL West, Seattle uh, is fading. And of course we know that uh, the Rangers are not, uh, they're on their way out. They have some good players. They're just, there's just a lot of issues there. And so with the, with the Oakland, they have a chance to, to gain some ground. And then they've got the Tigers, which is another weak team. However, they can't sneak up on you. And you could end up uh, losing uh, a couple to the Tigers without realizing, you know, Cabrera can still step up. Eric Haas, who we'll talk a little bit up uh, in a, uh, in around the leg is, uh, is having a good year as a rookie. Let's uh, look at our player of the week. I'm kind of thinking it's not going to be a surprise, but uh, who you got? I got sassy, stassy Max. 
<laughs> Stassi. Max, the new Max in town. For all of the reasons that you mentioned, uh, 10 for 22 over the week, 455 batting average, three home runs, three doubles, eight RBIs, just incredible week for him. And I absolutely positively agree. I didn't even have to look and compare anything. Every game, all I saw was Max. He contributed in some way. Coming back off of the IL, and since then he has been, and we saw him last year start picking things up, and he's continued on. Uh, and so he's a, I'm glad they kept him. And it's, uh, it's good Suzuki being there kind of as a backup, give him a little more time. Uh, and he came back from a concussion. And he's been tearing it up. Hopefully he can keep doing that for the rest of the season. All right, let's take a, uh, a whirl around the league. Of course, the biggest thing going on, obviously, in the MLB is all the stuff with the substances. And over the next couple of weeks, it's not going to go away. We'll know how many people are being suspended or what issues there are. I have a question. Can a manager, does, is it only the umpire, but could a manager say, hey, can you check this person out? Because I think challenge. they, yeah. Like, okay. You know, say, hey, it looks like he's doing this. And if the umpire's not doing it, I'm sure that they can do that. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of that stuff going on. Maybe not right at the beginning. But right. if it doesn't look like it's getting picked up, especially if it's particularly noticeable. Mm-hmm. Right. You it's know, I, I think, yeah, I mean, they, they, anybody could call it out and say, hey, and they'll probably go check it. Mm-hmm. The question will be, what effect does it have on the game? Will it slow things way down? Will it, my my issue, like we talked about earlier, how will the game, how will the, the home plate umpire, if they're watching for that stuff, and the catcher and the pitcher, obviously the umpires can watch as well, but if he's focused on that, Will he miss more balls and strikes? Yeah. Or or is this MLB's way of bringing in the robo-ump? So you have the earpiece. You can be looking for substances, and the earpiece is just ball, strike. You don't do anything. (laughs) I don't know. That makes sense. I wouldn't be surprised if they're backdooring it that way. Mm -hmm. You need to be more of a substance cop. Yeah, you need to be like DEA or narcotics. It's all about the substances. We'll have Eduardo Perez out there reading rule 6.02. You got stuff on your hands. (laughs) He'll have to do a video before every game that shows on the jumbotron of him (laughs) reading the rule. Oh, that's going to be good. All right, let's uh, go to the players of the week for the leagues. I think that we all can guess who the AL player of the week is, especially with that 455 batting average. Yes. That would be Max. Max Stassi of the angles, apparently. It auto-corrected on my notes. Yes, of the Angels, first time since 2019. The last Angel to get Player of the Week was Mike Trout. So good for Max. And then, oddly enough, 
the NL player of the week shares something in common with the AL player of the week. He too has had some injury issues and spent a fair amount of time on the IL. But since he's come back, Starling Marte of the Marlins has been kicking some butt. Seven games with uh, he hit 500, two home runs, one double, five RBIs to get him the NL Player of the Week award. He also stole four bases. Icing on the cake. All right. Another thing that we've been doing often here is Jacob DeGrom watch. And we might I feel as well- like for Jacob DeGrom, we need the um, Law and Order theme. Dun, I don't dun. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> something like that. This guy, his last two starts were versus the Padres. He's, if we could just have him pitch versus the Padres all the time, the Padres would be like in last place because they cannot solve Jacob DeGrom. His last two starts, 13 innings pitched, four hits, zero runs, 21 strikeouts, one walk, and a 0.93 batting average against, I, I just, what is it that he's got going on for him? And all of his, his Brian McCann, Taiwan Walker, Marcus Stroman all came out and said, Jacob DeGrom does not use any substances. Now, whether they're just covering for him or it's true, if it's true, everybody needs to go take the Jacob DeGrom pitching course because he's doing stuff that the rest of them aren't doing. He's got a 0.56 ERA right now. Over 10 games, 64 innings pitched, 3.9 war, 103 strikeouts. And other than he's got that hip flexor tendonitis thing, he is pretty much unstoppable. And he has a 400 batting average. Throw it in there. So the question no longer is who's the Cy Young. The question, the bigger question is becoming who's the MVP. And is that him? Well, I think from, I mean, obviously they're a little biased, but every time he comes out, either on the mound or in the batting circle, MVP chants follow him all over the stadium. In fact, in the game that he pitched against the Padres, he came out of that game, I think it was uh, in the sixth inning, um, or he pitched six innings, but he came out of the game. The pinch hitter comes up, and when the crowd saw that it wasn't DeGrom, they started booing. Yeah. Which, like, like we booing your DeGrom. own guy. Yeah. <laughs> Since we're up in New York talking about Jacob DeGrom, let's, uh, let's take a look over at the Buffalo Blue Jays, who in a game versus Boston – Hit eight home runs. And that's where, remember at the beginning of the show, I mentioned a guy named Teoscar Hernandez? Yes. Two home runs in that game of the eight. Had a, had a great game batting. Uh, his buddy and uh, MVP, AL MVP candidate, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., hit number 21 on the season in that game. 18-4 to four on 
20 hits. The Blue Jays are at 99 home runs. The only other teams with at least 90 home runs, Minnesota second at 95, Atlanta at 93, and the Giants at 91. And that's interesting when you think about it because only the Giants are in first place. That's true. The rest of those teams are all third or below. So they get that. They are looking for uh, George Springer to be finding his way back. He started baseball activities. So he's sitting in the dugout, spitting sunflower seeds. He actually is going to be doing some rehab in uh, Trenton with the Buffalo Blue Jays AAA team that are playing in Trenton. The Trenton Bison. The Trenton Bison, yes. They used to be the Trenton Thunder, but they are the Trenton Bison. So, And uh, Charlie Montoya has, uh, has said that Springer is not coming back to be a DH. But I have to wonder, because he's only been there. He's played, what, four games? Yes. And he could have played five, but he was fatigued. How many will he actually play when he comes back? And what about the chemistry that they have now? Part of the Blue Jays' issue is more their pitching because outside of Hinge and Rue, they don't have a, a solid staff beyond that. They're not consistent. So they, they'll probably be out looking for pitchers. Will George Springer slot back into the leadoff spot where Marcus Simeon has been doing very well? And who becomes the odd man out of that group? I think it should be George Springer should be should the be. odd man out. <laughs> but you know why he won't. And it has well, a bunch of zeros behind it. Exactly. So he'll be back pretty soon. So they say they don't, they're not rushing him. He'll be back when he gets back. But he's going to be right in playing the outfield, DHing, and and all that. Like everybody else is rotating through those positions. So we will see. Uh, Brian Goodwin, a favorite. Uh, that's why we bring him up. Favorite here at the house. Bry is back in the majors, and he announced his uh, return with authority. He's uh, up with the White Sox. Uh, two for five, a double, a home run, and five RBIs in his first game back. Second game, he had a hit. He's batting three thirty-three uh, over his two games. Batted four hundred in that one game. So welcome back to the to the show, Bry. Happy to see you. Uh, you remember Chris Davis? Yes. Played for the A's, was traded for Elvis Andrews to uh, to the Rangers. He got DFA'd. Former home run champion, and he's going to be released completely. There is no, don't really know what's going to happen with him beyond that, but uh, he is gone. A couple of rookies, one from the American League, one from the National League, been tearing things up. We talked about Patrick Wisdom because he was the NL Player of the Week. Cubs rookie, 29-year-old rookie. In 19 games, he's hit eight home runs, and he was hitting them consistently. At the same time, for the Tigers, Eric Haas, who's a 28-year-old rookie, over his 25 games, He's hit eight home runs, and he's hit them consistently. Broke up a no-hitter that Carlos Rodon, who already has one, and we mentioned him earlier in the uh, in the show, uh, he broke up his no-hitter. So they avoided being no-hit by the White Sox and giving Carlos Rodon two things, his second no-hitter of the season and 
a no hitter against a team that's not the Mariners, Rangers, or the Indians. Yeah. Uh, some games that we might want to watch this weekend or pay a little attention to: uh, the A's and the Yankees. Even though you, even though the Yankees have dropped to fourth and they're having some issues and a lot of, uh, and we don't know what's going to happen as far as the pitching goes. Uh, Kluber's out, but Garrett Cole may very well be pitching there. But that's always been uh, a good matchup. And you've got two strong teams with the A's being in first place in the West. The Reds and the Padres, two top vote-getters in the All-Star game for the outfield, who also lead the league in batting average. We talked about them last week. Nick Castellanos and Jesse Winker are going to be there. And, of course, the Padres have uh, Tatis Jr., Manny Machado, and uh, Eric Cosmer. Fernando Tatis Jr., a top vote getter at shortstop in uh, the National League. And the Reds have been on a tear lately, so Padres need to watch out. Joey Votto is back, and he's already got... determined. Yeah, and he's got, I think... You know, eleven RBIs, or you know, just since coming back, and so they're yeah, they're ready. Uh, White Sox and the uh, Asterix will be meeting up, and the White Sox are uh, have really uh, had it on afterburner and are pulling away uh, in the uh, in the AL Central, and then of course the Phillies after they're done with the Dodgers will play the Giants. So some good games. The rest of them are all kind of, you know, just lower teams playing each other. Not a lot of great matchups. These seem to be the best. Uh, Wrigley Field at full capacity. And that was a great series to open at full capacity because they were playing their rivals, the Cardinals. And uh, Anthony Rizzo, who has come up lately because he wants a little more information before he goes to get the COVID shot and understandably so he's a cancer survivor he doesn't know it's in there he wants to know what's going on what's in it for his own health I don't blame him that is a good reason yes because somebody that you knew in third grade on Facebook who wears a tinfoil hat and lives in the middle of you know the desert in a single wide trailer says it's a bad thing to get that that somebody's trying to put 5g particles in your body so they can track you that's not a reason to not get the shot yeah do your own research figure scientific it out facts to help you get what's based on your health not yeah. conspiracy theories by some nut job that you saw tweet something that you've never met before in your life who thinks his dog talks to beings from Uranus. Anthony Rizzo in that series had a, uh, had a 14 pitch at bat. That ended well for him. It ended him falling in a well? No, it ended with him hitting a home run <laughs> and Wrigley Field. They went crazy. <laughs> went crazy bill murray was there he was leading the uh right seventh inning stretch i mean they had it all going and then anthony rizzo with his home run brandon crawford of the san francisco giants set a 
Giants franchise record, a new Giants franchise record of most games played at shortstop. And it was 1,326 games played. He made that milestone, has since then played more games. But in that game where he hit the record, he also hit two home runs against Who Texas. did he pass? Travis Jackson. Who? who? Has Travis Jackson, Hall of Famer Travis Jackson. <laughs> Who held the previous record at 1,325. We're talking about the American League East and that Buffalo's not, as well as they're playing, they're still not at the top. That would be Tampa Bay. And it made me think about a former Tampa Bay pitcher. And the reason I bring it up with Tampa Bay is that now he's with the Padres. But he didn't pitch a lot. He didn't pitch long innings while he was with Tampa Bay. And a lot of people had the issue with him being pulled out in uh, game six of the World Series. And we were thinking, is he pitching more now that he's in San Diego? And at first it seemed like it, if you're not paying close attention. But then when you go and look at it, you realize Blake Snell only averages about Four innings per game. That's it. Four innings. So His, 58 it, innings pitched over 13 games. Averages out to about 4.46 innings. Right. So, yeah, yeah, it was something I started thinking about because when I look at the games and I see him pitch, I noticed that he was going you know, maybe five, maybe possibly six, but nothing beyond that. And I remember him talking about, you know, well, I can, I can pitch long. I can, I can go deeper into the game. If I would have been able to go deeper in the game, I could have done this, this, and this, but we'll never know because he never makes it deeper into the game. His problem is he throws a lot of, a lot of pitches. Yeah, because he 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 threw 101 in the seven inning game, 97 in the one six inning game. He did five innings, 95, 4.2, 95, inning, 91 and 81 in a three inning. He throws a lot of pitches. So he's, you know, if at five innings, you're already at 95 pitches or in the 80s. He, that's the problem. He's not very conservative, and so he's worn out. That's why he can't go any longer. So he needs to be more economical. He does. He needs to be more economical. That is the, the perfect word. James uh, Karinchak, remember I talked about him a couple of weeks ago, about the guy who's kind of crazy, constantly tossing the ball up. Before yeah, he goes yeah. To pitch. He uh, started a program called Whiffs for Warriors there in Cleveland for kind of like Trevor Bauer has his, uh, you know, every strikeout, he donates $1,000. Well, Karinchek doesn't quite make $40 million a year. So he's donating $50 for every strikeout to the Cleveland Police Foundation. And, of course, it's open for fans so if you're in the cleveland area or you're an indians fan 
or a Spiders fan or Avengers or whatever they become. Guardians. You can as well. The Rockers. See how much more exciting that is? They're playing the Rockers. That's right. Right on! Yeah! And when when they come out on the field, they have the, like, you know, heavy metal, like, just the guitars, everything. Right. Pyrotechnics. Be like a big heavy metals rock show. It could be like Kiss. Yeah. No. When they come out, when they get in and introduce your Cleveland Rockers. And then pew and with then fireworks. Play, then they could play Cleveland Rocks. Yeah. It's perfect. Why aren't they doing that? But I anyway. digress. There you go. And then real quick, before we get to your favorite segment of Around the League, we're going to do Alrededor de Liga Mexicana, which translated is Around the Mexican League. And I have two players. One, Bartolo Colon who is 48 years old and pitched a complete game for the Azareros de Monclova. He's 3-1 and one with them. He's pitched 30 innings, given up 14 runs, struck out 19 in his complete game. He gave up five hits, struck out seven, two runs. He's got a 3.56 ERA. So the big sexy is doing things down in... Mexico. And then the other guy, just because I figured if I'm going to go alrededor de Liga Mexicana, let's go see what Yasiel Puig is doing with the Eagle. In Veracruz, he's got two home runs, nine RBIs. He's hitting 295 uh, over, um, he's got 18 hits and four stolen bases, 61 at bats. And that's it. For AML. Alrededor de Liga Mexicana. And now, Alrededor de Injury List. So we've got some new entries on the injury list. Shane Bieber is on the 10-day IL with shoulder pain, shoulder inflammation, shoulder injury. Sonny Gray of the Reds has a right groin strain. He's working through that. Um, Adolmus Diaz of of the Asterix fractured his hand, or his hand was fractured after being hit by a pitch by our old friend Chicken Strip, Ross Stripling. So he will be. Are you sure that it wasn't uh, from a (laughs) video game or? uh... Well. He didn't see Altuve standing there, and he accidentally whacked him in the head, and it. He just hit him, maybe, but I think it. it there's video evidence of him. Something oh, happening. Okay. <laughs> yeah, um, he will be out seven and two thirds to nine and two thirds weeks. <laughs> no, he'll be out six to eight weeks. <laughs> Uh, I was just going with Cleveland with five to seven weeks. I thought I'd just, you know, throw in some fractions. Wouldn't that be more fun, though? Yeah. Because you got kids who watch the game. 
why not start doing that? Get a little math because then they start thinking. Yeah. Five and two thirds weeks to seven and three ninths. <laughs> because three ninths could be simplified, right? That Yes, it could be. So it's fun. Maybe well, and math- that's a better way to get kids involved in math. Why must we do everything? I think that is what MLB should be focusing on is helping kids get interested in the game through math because you can calculate batting averages, all of the, there's all this stuff that you can do and you learn numbers and love the game and science. How do you create the perfect tack for the baseball? To get maximum yes. spin rate. See? Uh-huh. Science, physics. So, you know, some general chemistry. Science, chemistry, all right there. Yeah. Anatomy and physiology, because you need to know where an oblique is. Right. Because we were like earlier, mm. earlier this season old when we found out where the oblique was. <laughs> Right. And that we probably had an oblique injury at some point, at some point in our life. Yeah, the other so day we, I moved the right the wrong way and my side kind of hurt. I went, oh, that's my oblique is not out <laughs> of whack. Uh Kyle Lewis from the Mariners, he had surgery on his right meniscus, and there's no timetable when he will be back. Tyler Glasnow left his last start with what was um, right elbow inflammation. However, he does have a partial UCL tear and flexor strain. So Tyler, it's going to be out for a while. Done for the season. And my last entry on IL is Mr. Max Scherzer. And he is on the IL. He has a a groin injury. Um, he won't make his next start, and they're not sure how long he will be. But right now, he's on the 10-day. And he has spoken out about the substance uh, issues and said he pointed to his teammate who took the ball in the face and said, we're going to see more of this if you don't come up with a better way of, uh, you know, find something that's a you can approve as a league. We need that. I wonder if, if just raising the, um, the stitches on the ball might help. Could help. Gives you a better grip maybe. Right. And MLB has so much that they could do with this in a positive direction. They own Rawlings. Obviously, they're not just making the baseball at Rawlings. There's people in the development, research and development of these baseballs. What is going on? That's right. what I want. But. So another person I can hear yelling and screaming about this for a while will be Josh Donaldson, who called out Garrett mm-hmm. Cole and then went over three against him, even Which with a reduced. So great. Yeah. Garrett Cole, of course, they were looking after his press conference where he didn't really answer any questions, kind of skirted around the issue, went out and struck out Josh Donaldson twice. And then I think um, had a fly out. 
but that was perfect because I don't know. I just feel like Josh Donaldson is just, Hey, I need to get in on this action. Nobody's paying attention to me. So let me give you my little black book of pictures. I'm on a, I'm on a losing team in Minneapolis. Well, you know, you know what he said? He said, what about me? He did. And, and we said, we said, don't care. Right. <laughs> we don't care. We don't care. What about you? <laughs> One thing, we talked about Jacob deGrom uh, in the Mets and the fabulous year he's having. Uh, Noah Syndergaard looks like he may be back September 1st. That's uh, one of the dates that they kind of have uh, circled on the calendar. And then we also have a great comeback story in Scott Casimir, who pitched against his old team, the Dodgers, hadn't pitched since 2016. He has now been DFA'd by the Giants. So we'll, we'll see they, where he lands. Giants, remember, we mentioned... Uh, Nick Trapiano, who pitched against the Angels, who was a former Angel, he also was DFA'd. And I saw that he got, I didn't know he had been until I saw he was picked up by somebody else. And I, I don't remember who that was because that's how much Nick Trapiano means to me. Um, All-star voting we talked about still going on. Keep voting for your favorites, especially the Dodgers and the Angels players, so we can knock Vladdy Jr. and Ronald Acuna Jr. off the top of the heap for top vote getters. I want to see Shohei and uh, and Chris Taylor be the top vote getters. Max Muncy even would be great at the top vote getters. Yep. Hey, what what is that? What's that coming out of left field? That would be former diver Laura Wilkinson. She's a 43-year-old mom of four, and she was a gold medalist diver in the 2000 Games in Sydney, Australia. She had a comeback on her mind. She qualified for the diving qualifiers in 10-meter, the 10-meter board, and she is a 19-time U.S. diving national champion. But in qualifying... She came up short. She placed 10th uh, on her last dive. The crowd gave her a standing ovation. She didn't hear it because she was under the water. So she uh, missed when you out. you said she came up short, I was worried that she hit the oh, edge of the hit, pool, not no. into the water. No, she just didn't have the dives that the uh, other divers who were 20 years younger had but she said when she started the comeback she just wanted to have fun and she did and i think she showed her kids that you know it doesn't matter how old you are if you want to oh it was one of those lessons to well, be learned it, could be. it doesn't matter how old you are you can still do it well it's, I, wonder... I think maybe i was thinking you know we had uh helio uh, castrono uh Castroneves in the indy he was the oldest driver uh, Phil Mickelson was the oldest golfer. So we kind of have a trend going. And maybe she wanted to be part of that and be Are one of the oldest. dealing diver. with something in this age group that you're not telling us about? <laughs> I have uh, and never will be a part of that uh, or that um 
business, nor will I personally or um, financially. It sounds like I'm testifying at a Senate what is hearing. This? Um, I do not recall, Senator. Yeah. I have no knowledge of that. Mm. All right. One last thing before we wrap things up this time on uh, Sibling Rivalry Baseball Podcast. And I, I just couldn't let this go. Uh, one of my favorite character actors has uh, passed away at the age of 83 and that would be Ned Beatty. Uh, he's, he's, uh, he's been in so many movies he's been, and he's done, you see him in one thing and he's serious, dramatic. And then he's like talking about diving. He's in back to school with Rodney Dangerfield and he's kind of got that. And you know, I bring that up because Rodney Dangerfield was like a diver you know, came and saved the diving team in that. So he passed away. And and the reason that I bring this up is because every time I think Ned Beatty, there's a Jeff Foxworthy bit about the 96 Olympics. And if you remember, or, or if you didn't know, Ned Beatty was in a movie called Deliverance back in the early 70s. It's the only movie that he ever got an Academy Award nomination for. And... Jeff Foxworthy is talking about that the river that they used for the kayaking in the 96 Olympics in Atlanta was the same river that they filmed Deliverance on. And he said, if Ned Beatty couldn't make it down that river, why would you think a Frenchman in bikes, bicycle shorts could do it? And I was like, there it is. If Ned Beatty can't do it, it probably can't be done. And that'll do it for this week's Sibling Rivalry Baseball Podcast. Remember, you can find us on our website, SiblingRivalryBB.com, and on Facebook and Instagram at SiblingRivalryBB. We're also on Twitter at SiblingRivalryBB without the A. Email us, show at SiblingRivalryBB.com. We'd love to hear what you think, so subscribe and rate us wherever you listen to our podcast. Next week on SRBB... Are MLB pitchers causing global warming? Plus, we check the all-star game vote tallies. I might be heading to the IL with texting thumb as I try to rig the all-star vote. Vote CT3. Yeah.